here we are with another episode of the Smart to Zero podcast presented by Steelpost Media. I'm your host, Alex Fannebecker, and let's get the show on the road. On today's show, we are all in. I have been looking forward to this show for so long, and I'm so happy it didn't disappoint. From start to finish, I enjoyed each match, I enjoyed each run-in, I enjoyed each surprise, even the comedy was fantastic, but we'll get to that. Before we do it, I wanted to give a special thanks to our good friends Oz Marley at Steel Post Media and at SteelPostMedia.com, Dallas Barnes at All Wrestling 420, Noah Carroll at Noah7BC for our music, and my Square Dancing Squadron, the Snap, Crackle, and Pot to my complete breakfast, three people who have very questionable taste in a podcast co-host. I'm talking, of course, about Jason, Jeff, and Noah. Today I'm flying solo, but you will be hearing from them again soon as we cover the subsequent episodes of Dojo Pro Wrestling, continue our Mid-South coverage, and continue our tape study for 30 matches. One more item before we put the hot dog in the Twinkie. Uh, I wanted to give a special shout-out to one of our wrestling fan family members on Twitter. Uh, at Jam the Mighty, that's J-A-M the Mighty, uh, as a family member who is gravely ill. Uh, understandably, Jam hasn't spent much time on Twitter since letting us know. This is about a week or so ago. So I, I don't really know anything more than that, and it's not really my business. But I wanted to take a moment and reach out to you, buddy, and let you know that your wrestling fandom family has your back. So those of you listening, if you have a few minutes, seek out at Jam the Mighty. Send him some encouraging words. Just let him know that he's in your thoughts. Sometimes that's all we can do. And, of course, we are all in this together. Uh, so, Jam Buddy, here at uh, the Smart Get Zero podcast, we are certainly thinking about you. Well, let's let him know that Large Marge sent us and Moonsault into All In. So, of course, I did order... All in on fight, and I ordered Starcast around that. I haven't had a chance to watch Starcast yet. I'm really looking forward to that as well. I'm not going to cover it on the show. I think a, a podcast about a podcast convention convention is a bit much, so we'll just leave that as it is. But uh, this event, this all in event, is so important to me because it's it's a who's who of independent wrestling. And I have fallen so far behind with the independent stars over the past even 10 years that I really wanted to be introduced to these guys. And I was hoping it would it would light a fire for me to, to check more of it out. Maybe, you know, look up more Ring of Honor. Maybe check out more Impact. You know, even uh, even looking into more of the, uh, the, the smaller events. Like I've seen events on Fight that happened in the high school gym. And, and and really, I was hoping it would help reinforce that uh, that enthusiasm that can sometimes wane when you see the same product day in and day out. The national anthem started us off. I didn't catch the young lady's name who sang it, but she had a beautiful voice. She was very classy. There was none of that nonsense. She wasn't running scales or anything like that. This wasn't her American Idol audition. It was quite simply a pretty respectful uh, performance of, of the National Anthem. Uh, the announcers at the table, table were Ian Riccoboni, Excalibur, and Don Callis. Uh, and they ran down the card for us. So I'm just going to give you an idea of how few of these folks I've actually had a chance to see. 
So, of course, we have the Golden Elite. We had uh, Ibushi and the Young Bucks taking on Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and Bandito. Uh, Kenny Omega taking on Pentel Cero. Uh, Marty Skrull taking on Okada. Uh, Flip Gordon challenging for the Ring of Honor Heavyweight Championship against Jay Lethal. The NWA World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Nick Aldis defending against Cody Rhodes. And yes, I'm going to call him Cody Rhodes throughout the podcast because that is his name. Uh, MJF taking on Matt Cross. Christopher Daniels taking on Stephen Amell. Uh, Four-way match with Tessa Blanchard, Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, and Madison Rain, And Joey Janela taking on Hangman Page in a Chicago street fight. So look at the card there. You know, I've heard of most of these folks, but I'm actually seeing 90% of these wrestlers for the first time here. Yeah, I had no idea what to expect from them other than what I've read online or heard in the past. So this is this is true virgin territory for me. And the fact that I'm 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 going to sit down for four hours and watch it, you know, I'm gonna watch this show full of wrestlers I've never seen, tells you how good Cody and the Bucks have promoted it. And how good the reputation is for these stars that are wrestling. If you've been listening since the start of the Smart Good to Zero podcast, I've talked in the past about being a wrestling voyeur rather than a wrestling fan. You know, hearing and reading about wrestling rather than watching it and enjoying it. And I'm, I'm so grateful that this was put on fight so that I can actually engage as a fan. Now, the first match on the card, MJF taking on Matt Cross. Now, I am newly familiar with MJF from Dojo Pro Wrestling and from hearing Tony Schiavone talk about him on MLW. I'm not really familiar with Matt Cross at all. Uh, I do like Matt's look. That pink and black looks totally badass. I love the way he carries himself on the way to the ring. Uh, and even though this match started pretty slowly, it really it, it seemed to know its place on the card. It wasn't... You know, exhausting the crowd. It wasn't busting out every every high spot and every flip uh, that it could right away. Uh, it was a lot of fun. MJF, holy shit, does this guy know how to work a crowd? I'm actually I'm, I'm looking forward to jumping into jumping onto YouTube and watching some MLW now to get a little bit more MJF. One of my favorite things about the early going of this match is MJF getting heat from the crowd by shouting, I don't need flips to get over. <laughs> that was just, that cracked me up. Uh, Cross had a great top rope Frankensteiner at one point. There was a corkscrew plancha and he landed on his feet at one point. I missed what the announcers called it. But it, these these two were just killing each other back and forth and MJF was not he, he was resisting the temptation to do those things that I'm sure he's capable of doing that would get a pop from the crowd because he was completely dedicated to being a heel um, the top rope double stomp to cross his arm by MJF was outstanding and then he followed it up with the brutal package pile driver uh, there was a teeter-totter pile driver by MJF over the middle rope that actually got me out of my chair. Um, and then seemingly out of nowhere, you know, Cross hits this bounce-back cutter and a shooting star press for the win. And all of a sudden, we're through our opening match for All In. Not many high spots, but a great short story. Uh, nothing overly complicated, but they were both so animated and they engaged with the crowd so well that even though I hadn't seen much of either of the, these guys before, the match itself was a real treat. 
So I'm very happy with what I saw in that opening match, and it, it certainly made me want to stick around and keep watching. The second match was Christopher Daniels against Stephen Amell with special guest referee Jerry Lynn, or as they called him, the new Refn show, which was nice. Uh, Daniels came out. Uh, you know, I had hoped to see Christopher Daniels in NXT for years, but honestly, he's so damn good that he's been able to call his own shots, and good for him. And it's also nice to see Frankie Kazarian come out. I haven't seen him in quite a while either. Uh, they they pan over to John Mayer at ringside, and he can promptly go fuck himself. And I, I I do have to keep reminding myself that this is Stephen Amell's third official match ever. I think it is, uh, and I'll give him this. You know he he knows how to convey emotion in the ring. Early on, I thought his selling could have used some work, as if I could have done it any better. But when he was taking uh, when he was taking stomps and kicks in the corner from Daniels. Yeah, he looked like he kind of froze up and didn't know what to do. But like I said, the guy's, the guy's less than a rookie, and he's doing more than he's doing better than some guys you, who you'll see on TV every week. He actually got an arrow chant from the crowd, and I figured the Chicago crowd would be crucifying him because he's an actor coming into a wrestling ring. But uh, and, and he did look a little bit lost a few times, but he corrected it so damn fast. I really can't say enough good things about Amel's ability, and honestly, the, the, you know, the guy is dancing around with wrestling's equivalent of Fred Astaire, and he's doing his damnedest to be the, to be the Ginger Rogers to him in this match. I even hit a Van Terminator at one point, which I did not expect, but he, he got all of the distance, which was really damn impressive. Uh, of course, he jumps from the top rope to the outside of the ring at one point, trying to land on Daniels and put him through a table. Daniels moves and Stephen Amell is dead. <laughs> I, I hope none of you wanted to see the next season of Arrow because he is he has been killed. <laughs> Jerry Lynn threw both men back into the ring rather than counting them out. Absolutely love that. The crowd dug the shit out of it. And then it, it spurred this confrontation between Christopher Daniels and Jerry Lynn. And all I could think was, please give me a fucking cradle pile driver. I want to see you drop him. But uh, Daniels turns, pummels Amel, and <laughs> Amel gets up and starts throwing the double birds. And uh, I, I, I love that, that, that sort of defiant last fire up before Daniels did put him away with that best moonsault ever. What a great match. You know, uh, Amel missed a few things here and there, but overall he was so damn good in the ring with Daniels. You know, they, they, they shake hands, they pose before they walk out. And Don Callis leaves the announce table. Tennille Dashwood and Mandy Leone come out. Uh, they join the announce table in Callis's place for the next match, was that which is that four corner survival with Tessa Blanchard, Chelsea Green, Britt Baker, and Madison Rain. Tessa Blanchard is one of my favorite professional wrestlers today, and seeing both Tully Blanchard and Terry Allen come out for her was pretty special hit me right in those pesky little feels and those would come back later on here when we get to the nwa championship match too but this is a first to a finish match it's not elimination and the announcers seem to be uh getting smartened up on the match rules as we go here 
which is is kind of funny, but it, it actually makes it more believable, and I enjoy that because it's, you know, why not? You know, who are we to say what the rules are before they tell us? Uh, every time Blanchard connected, it hurt. <laughs> like I don't I don't know if there's a if there's a half speed with Tessa Blanchard. I, I would hate to be in her way. I'd hate to make her mad in a bar somewhere. Hell, I'd just hate to make her mad in general. But, um, uh, Baker and Green had a nice little exchange early on, and Rachel Green hit this Mahistral Cradle that was just out of this world. She did this little Michael Jackson breakdance spin at the beginning of it over Britt Baker's arm before she does the rollover, and it was tremendous. I got such a kick out of it. And then, and then the parade strut, top rope walk by Green... You know, how, how have I not seen more of her? You know, I'm clearly not watching the right television. She is so much fun, and she is a, a staple in this entire match. You know, everything she does is strong, and everything she does is entertaining, and everything she does is believable. And I, I even, because I'm a fucking mark, <laughs> I even went out on Twitter after I watched this event, and I, I, I sent her a tweet letting her know that, you know, I hadn't had the chance to see her you know, much before this event. But if I wasn't a fan before, I sure as hell am now. Uh, all the women flew. You know, Madison Rain hit a top rope crossbody to the outside on, on at least two of the three women. Blanchard hit a diving body press. Suicide dive by Green onto Baker and Blanchard. I mean, it just... Uh, and Blanchard at one point pressed Rain and threw her out of the ring onto Baker and Green. So it just... You know, this wasn't a women's wrestling match. This was a kick-ass professional wrestling match. And I was so happy to see that because that's what these should be. Uh, I hope the women's evolution folks, the women's revolution folks, rather, in the WWE were watching. I'm sure they were. I'm sure most of these ladies are friends. And I hope they step up their game to keep up with this because this was one of the best women's wrestling matches I've seen ever. And probably in my top 20 of general wrestling matches. It, it was just that much fun. Uh, at one point towards the end, uh, th this, uh, this match turned into complete chaos. But it wasn't out of control. It was just, it was controlled chaos. It was, you know, Blanchard gives Rain a stalling suplex, then buries her shoulder into the ring post when Baker moves on the charge. You know, Green hits the woo, <laughs> the woo kicks on Blanchard, which the crowd really dug. Uh, and, and it just it kept going from there. At uh, one point, Madison Rain hits uh, a top rope bulldog on Britt Baker. I think it was supposed to be a cutter, but it didn't quite get there. I know the announcers called it a cutter. Uh, unprettier on Rain, super kick by Baker, Magnum on Green, super kick on Blanchard. Uh, Baker almost gets the win by pinning Green. Green kicks out. Crucifix bomb on Rain or by Rain, and it's just like, what the hell is going on? One after the other. Finally, a Canadian destroyer on Blanchard and a kick out. Chelsea Green is off the fucking hook in this match, and the crowd is on their feet. And I love to see a standing ovation for this match because they went from really having a nice story at the beginning to just firing on all cylinders and open. You know, they just beat the living shit out of each other and then they finally have that big spot you know that ends in the destroyer pile driver and then they let the crowd enjoy it for a second 
Blanchard does come back around. It's a hammerlock DDT on green for the win, and Tessa Blanchard is your is your winner. Amazingly done. This would have been match of the night on almost any card. I didn't know much about Baker or Green coming into this, and they absolutely killed it. Blanchard and Rain were more impressive than I thought they'd be, and I have a pretty damn high opinion of both of them. Outstanding, and then the Ring of Honor ending to the match tops. You know, it's, that's just the frosting on the cake for me. Uh, Brent Taring joins the table for the next match, and of course it's because he, uh, as they let us know, he called Cody Rhodes' first match in OVW. And so he'll be there calling this match when Cody Rhodes challenges Nick Aldis for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Brandy Rhodes came out, comes out to introduce Cody. Now I remember when Cody left the WWE and Brandy quit NXT at the time too to go with him. And I was worried because I liked Cody. And I was I was afraid that he would be another string in, in a string of fallen WWE stars at the time who may have varied success outside of the WWE machine. But as we can all see, you know, he took everything in and became a self-made man, just like his dad, which is, you know, I, I don't know that there could be an, a higher compliment in the world of professional wrestling than to say, you know, you you did it on your own, like Dusty Rhodes. One thing I didn't expect was to see DDP, Tommy Dreamer, Glacier, and Pharaoh coming out with it, joining him on the way to the ring. And the American Nightmare is ready to write his chapter into the Rhodes family legacy. Aldous comes out next, and he's got Sean Devari, he's got Jeff Jarrett. I'm loving the faces surrounding these competitors as they come out. One thing pissed me off a little bit. I've heard people shitting all over the NWA championship match uh, over the last two days over on the internet, claiming that this isn't the same championship. It doesn't mean anything because that title was tossed by Shane Douglas or abandoned after Severn in 2002. And, and honestly, they could stick that up their asses. Because Billy Corgan cared enough about the history of the National Wrestling Alliance and the men who helped build it in the ring, from Harley Race to Ric Flair to Dusty Rhodes, you know, going 70 years back. You know, well before any of those guys and everybody else who made this championship mean something. In in the past, that, that all meant so much to him that he put his money on the line, he put his time on the line, his effort, and put Nick Aldis as as the as the face of the NWA and brought this championship back to the front line, bring the Domed Globe masterpiece back to glory, and he has been an outstanding face of the NWA. He has made what some thought was dead mean something again. He's created something. And now the NWA Championship is back as a and it's a centerpiece as a legitimate major wrestling championship. And it's being defended in front of 10,000 people in Chicago, Illinois for All In against a man who has the NWA in his fucking blood. So if you can't respect that and you can't see that the NWA is no longer dead and that this may not be the exact same belt but it's derived from the same belt and it means the same thing, then maybe you should take your ball and go the fuck home. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Earl Hebner's in the ring to officiate this one. Uh, I he, he has a few words before the match and he's nervous, which is nice to see. I, I think there's 
Yeah, I think he certainly appreciates the gravity of this. I believe Earl was a Crockett official before he came to the WWE, so he would certainly have some experience around the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Now, before this even starts, the crowd is on their feet. You know, this is one of those where, you know, these people can understand the magnitude of what they're about to see. Uh, I... I I'm not going to lie, uh, you know, when Rhodes and Aldis shook hands, I had goosebumps. Uh, more than a little emotional, seeing the, the NWA Heavyweight Championship belt being held up and seeing this defense, like I said, in front of 10,000 people and to have this much fire behind it. You know, th- this is like watching the old VHS tapes when I was a kid again. And uh, and you can see the crowd is, is, is understanding that as well. You know, normally... You have certain cities, and Chicago gets kind of a bad rap for this, where they'll cheer the, they'll cheer, cheer the heel because he's a heel and because they think he's cool, and they'll boo the face. And here they are on Aldis, and Aldis is being the heel, and they are loving Cody Rhodes. And I think that's part of it is just because these two have done such a good job putting this together. But also I think the Chicago fans have enough respect for what's happening that uh, they're not going to let that they're not I, I apologize I'm not articulating this very well but uh, they're getting past being the cool fans and actually suspending that disbelief and being wrestling fans uh, Aldis ruled this match you know Cody was certainly selling this felt like a very old school match you know, uh, I think Aldis turned Cody's chest into hamburger by the end of the match with all the chops he took. And this, they both laid it in. I imagine the next day they both looked like, uh, you know, they, they both looked like a, a bunch of grapes with all the bruises they were going to have. At one point, Cody went for a springboard jump up forearm to the outside of the ring and he caught an elbow on the way down from Aldis. Both men are down, and Hebner called for the X, saying that Cody cannot continue. Uh, it looked like, it, and I kind of wondered at the time if he wasn't uh, going to cut himself there, because he was down for, because he was down for so long. Um, DDB comes out to try to, to fire Cody up and get him back in the ring, and if you know DDP, you know damn well Cody isn't done in this match. Uh, as soon as Page shows up, Davari comes out shoves Paige, and someone is about to be turned into grass-fed organic beef with a diamond cutter. (laughs) Tavari is out cold. DDP lights up the crowd and helps Cody up. Cody is bleeding like a sieve. You know, when he gets back into the ring, he's, you know, you don't see much of that face anymore. I haven't seen good color in a match in so long. And Cody has got this platinum blonde hair, and he's got those really bright blue eyes. It sounds like I'm trying to ask him on a date now. But uh, but that 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 blood mask that he's wearing, you know, that color that he got, is just such a sharp contrast from the rest of his face. That you know, if if anybody got that picture, and I'm sure they did, it belongs on the cover of every wrestling magazine and every we- uh, wrestling website for the next week. They they go back and forth, but again, Aldis is is maintaining control, even getting the cloverleaf in the center of the ring. You know, Cody is that sympathetic babyface throughout this match, and uh, after 
you know, after a huge pile driver by Aldis Brandy gets into the ring. So she's kneeling over Cody, trying to, to defend him, trying to protect him from Nick Aldis. And he doesn't give a shit. He comes off the top rope with a macho man elbow drop on Cody, on Brandy, I'm sorry, who was on Cody. And this crowd is ready to wait for him in the parking lot after the show. I don't know where it came from, but all of a sudden there's a beautiful disaster out of nowhere, followed by a crossroads for a two count. That faked me out. I was out of my chair. I think 90% of the crowd thought that was the end of the match as well. Uh, and and then we, we get into this, this go-home sequence where... It's just, you know, finishing each other, or uh, reversing each other's finishers. It was actually a pretty long sequence. I think about 20, 30 seconds of them just reversing each other as they went for their finishers. And Aldis eventually goes for a sunset flip. Cody sits down on it, holds Aldis down for the three count. And Cody Rhodes, because that is his fucking last name, is your new NWA World Heavyweight Champion. This was great. I, th- this was more than great. This was outstanding. This was, uh, I- if you could say that a match was good for your wrestling soul, this is that match. Because you know, not only did, you know, did we get to see uh, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship defended in a match that meant a great deal in front of, you know, 10,000 plus, I think then the final count actually break 11,000 for the stadium, uh, or for, for the, for the arena. Uh, but if you look at how much it grew, you know, the announcers at one point said that Nick Aldis won the NWA world heavyweight championship in an event with 500 fans present. And now we're at 10, 11,000 plus. Uh, DDP, Glacier, and Tommy Dreamer jump in the ring to celebrate with Cody. It's too bad Dustin isn't there. I can certainly understand why he probably wasn't allowed to, but I would have loved to have seen him there to celebrate with Cody. Uh, it, 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 an interesting thing in here, unless I'm reading my dates wrong, this means that Cody has won the NWA Heavyweight Championship 32 years after his dad last held it. And I think it, uh, Dusty held it last in 1986. Uh, Aldis left the ring immediately. There was no handshake, none of that fun stuff. He, he got out of the ring, gave Rhodes his moment, class act there. Uh, absolutely loved this match. I, I wouldn't have changed a damn thing. The next match on the card is our Chicago street fight. Joey Janela against Hangman Page. Now, I, I have to admit, I hadn't seen either of these guys before. I know Janela's reputation. Uh, I, I actually I didn't even know the history between Paige and Joey Ryan. Uh, of course, I've seen countless clips of Joey Ryan online, and I think he's tremendous. And I've actually I've interacted with him on Twitter from time to time because he is so engaging, and he's so willing to talk to folks. It seems on social media, and I appreciate that he took the time to do that. But. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you talk about the juxtaposition. I mean, most of you have seen this match. I'm not going to go spot for spot here. Uh, You know, this was built as a high spot orgasm, and it certainly didn't disappoint. I saw everything from tables, ladders, a a literal cracker barrel. And the only thing that would have surprised me uh, in this match is if Lance Storm would have jumped out of that cracker barrel. (laughs) 
the hits were just brutal. You know, Page has a hell of a look, and I'm I'm hoping to see more of him. I mean, it, it, it's he's I think he's and everything he did was so smooth. And Janela was you know, Joey Janela was no fucking slouch either. Don't get me wrong, but uh, just overall incredibly entertaining match. And Penelope Ford, what the hell? I mean, first of all, she's drop dead gorgeous. And then watching her do those backflips and dodges before she hits a backflip cutter on Hangman Page, and then a cross body block to the outside of the ring on him. And and it's not like it was just like a quick hit and run out. Then she starts beating the living shit out of him and gets him up on the table for Janela. I, I just... I, I can't... <laughs> there were so many spots so quickly I couldn't keep up, and that becomes a common theme throughout the night. But, I mean... Jesus, these guys were beating the living snot out of each other. At one point, uh, uh, there are two tables set up off the entryway ramp, and Janela gets launched by a power uh, by, by a power bomb. It's running power bomb. It gets launched over the elevated entryway, uh, down the steps, into the table. He hit the first table, missed the second. Well, I suppose he did hit the second one with the back of his head, but it sure as hell didn't break. And then we get a very well-deserved fecal chant. You know, the holy shits rain down. Uh, <laughs> it just... From there, it just got bizarre. So, uh, you know, Paige hits the right of passage. Ford breaks it up by hitting him with a mystery sack that made its its presence known earlier. And it's the boots. And if, you, <laughs> if you've been following this... The materials between him and Joey Ryan. Of course, there's a segment where he speaks to these boots and he's losing his damn mind. He super kicks Ford hard. Uh, at one point, they're fighting each other on the top of a ladder with a phone. <laughs> right of passage, off the ladder, through the table, on Janela, and this one is done. Hangman Page wins. This has been a clinic in violence. And then, what the fuck is this? Joey Ryan is on the Titantron. And it's not the Titantron, but that's that's what it's called. But So on the big screen, you see Joey Ryan. And of course, he's, he's dead, right? And he's bloody. And his dick comes back from the dead. And I can't believe that's a sentence on my show. But then it gets it gets even more strange. Then a line of dicks come walking to the ring. And of course these are folks who I'm sure were just happy to be booked. <laughs> In giant penis costumes with big old nutsacks. <laughs> and the announcers call it. <laughs> he says, there's filing some phalluses lining the entryway. And that may be the greatest commentary line ever. And then there he is. He is risen. Joey Ryan has been res erected <laughs> then the, the page throws a punch of course ryan blocks it puts page's hand on his dick and we get the penile toss and the sucker super kick <laughs> tremendous page gets carried out by a congregation of cocks and that's the end of the segment this was fun you don't take this shit too seriously. I know, you know, I know Jim Cornette is not a Joey Ryan fan. Uh, I, I know he really doesn't like this sort of thing. I thought it was fun. 
Like if it's fun, if it's entertaining, I'll buy a ticket to it and I'll watch it. You know, it's we, we, we had a fantastically brutal Chicago street fight followed by a bucket of what the fuck. And I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So <laughs> I will certainly be looking for more from all three of these guys later. And uh, Penelope Ford, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd buy a ticket to see her wrestle too because uh, she can go. Holy shit. Uh, next, we had the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship match. Jay Lethal taking on Flip Gordon. And, of course, Jay is your current Ring of Honor Heavyweight Champion. Lanny Poffo hands Jay Lethal a pair of Randy Savage sunglasses and hits him on the shoulder. And Black Machismo has returned. And that's actually the first time I saw Jay Lethal was in uh, TNA when he was Black Machismo. Yeah, you know, around the time when he proposed to SoCal Val, before that, but leading up to that. And absolutely loved it. I've never seen a more spot-on impression of just the mannerisms, the movements. It was it was incredible. So I loved seeing it here. And him putting Elizabeth Brandy Rhodes back in his corner was priceless, even though she's supposed to be in Flip's corner. He actually did it twice. Ends up picking her up on his shoulders, a la WrestleMania 7, which was... Was hilarious. He throws those Macho Man jabs better than anybody. And then the whole chop, chopping his shoulder to activate and deactivate the Black Machismo thing is pretty damn funny. But just his ability to change his wrestling style is what really impressed me. Um, the repeating dodging kip ups by Flip, really pretty to look at. Uh, it's not as impressive of as, as uh, when I got up off the couch earlier today and didn't grunt. But, you know, hey, kid, you looked good. <laughs> uh, turnaround Frog Splash by Flip was outstanding. Trading the back suplex reversals was great. I, I you know, the, the, the big boot by Lethal and then the back, back flip splash to stop that momentum by Flip. I mean, th these two are just tearing it up. Uh, flips leaping knee into the Falcon Arrow for two. I thought the match was over there. They actually got me on the fake out. Uh, the springboard by Flip being caught by Lethal in a torture rack and then into a reverse Samoan drop, a reverse rolling Samoan drop uh, before Lanny calls for Black Machismo to come back. And we see the Macho Body Slam. And we see three Macho Man elbow drops. And Flip kicks out and is firing up. And all of a sudden, we've got WrestleMania five right here at All In. <laughs> Flip with three punches and a big boot. Instead of going for the big leg drop, which I would have loved to have seen. We see a springboard sling blade, a Samoan pop, a standing sunset flip. And Flip is up top for a sick corkscrew moonsault. As if we're trying to say, hey Neville, get your ass over here. Uh, Lethal ends the match after blocking a uh, top rope Frankensteiner and turns it into a top rope cutter and eventually hits the lethal injection for the win. This was, again, I, I've said this before, this was a lot of fun. This was entertaining. This was uh, this reminded me of watching wrestling as a kid. You know, it's hard to follow a match as special as the NWA Heavyweight Championship match was and then to follow the craziness of that Chicago street fight and a, a, a parade of marching penises. But these two did an outstanding job of telling a story during their match. And as if that's not enough, then Bully Ray comes out and lays both men out. 
Now, Bully Ray is my favorite bad guy because he legitimately does not give a fuck if you hate him. Like I, I swear, Bully would love to wait in the parking lot after the show hoping somebody wants to start something with him so he can beat the living shit out of him. And I, I honestly believe that's who Bully Ray is. And uh, I, I just, I love that about him. He's, he embraces that role so fully. And not to mention, I think he's criminally underrated as a performer and he's tough as nails. Uh, Lanny Poffo Lanny gets in, gets in Bully's face, and Bully just kicks him in the nuts. <laughs> that just... <laughs> You want to fight? You want to fight? And then you just tap him in the in the beanbag and he goes down. That cracked me up. But Chicago gets their happy ending because Colt Cabana comes out, spears Bully, and we get a triple powerbomb through the table to end the segment. Just really, I mean, th- this has been the how can we make the audience feel as good as possible show, and, and you need that sometimes. And I think for this show, that's absolutely how it should have been. Next, we had Kenny Omega against Pentelcero. Uh, I have I have seen Kenny Omega before. I have not seen Penta, and that that speaks to how little I've been able to watch of uh, of Impact and even uh, Lucha Underground. I've started to watch more of that recently, and I believe he comes on later. I'm looking forward to seeing him. He's bigger than I thought he was, but he moves like he's thirty pounds lighter than he is. So, I mean, Penta is just all over the place. Uh, Kenny Omega, I could watch him wrestle all day. You know, that, that Snapdragon suplex that he does, uh, just what he's able to do and where he's able to try to line up that, that uh, one-winged angel uh, is outstanding. The V-Trigger, I swear he busts somebody's jaw every time he does it. And he doesn't... You know, I've, I've heard folks say that... Uh, well, actually, it was on Killing the Town. You know, I, I heard Don Callis say that that uh, in New Japan, they don't mind taking the V-Trigger at all. Because that knee doesn't hurt a bit. And then, of course, you know, he went, Don Callis went on to make fun of Disco Inferno for a comment he made on Twitter at the time. But, you know, those are, <laughs> that's just a reality. Anytime Disco Inferno talks, Don Callis is going to make fun of him. I love Penta firing up and no-selling those V-Triggers. Uh, you know, finally we do see... Uh, the one-winged angel after a poison rana, and this one is over. You know, Kenny Omega takes the win. It started with a slow burn with just some really hard hitting, and then it just it turned into an absolute ah, fuck. I don't even know the right word for it. It was just it 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 turned into this amazingly violent high spot, hard hitting. It, it was. This is what you would want in a main event. This match probably should have been the main event of the night. I thought it got a little heavy on the signature moves towards the end, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, it's not like these two had six weeks to build a story to fall back on to help fill some of those gaps. So the match itself has to tell everything. And uh, them reversing back and forth on everybody on each other's finishers so long and actually preventing them from being hit was uh, was a lot of fun to watch. And I honestly I did not know who was going to win this match. Um, the lights go out, and they're out for a while. And when they come back up, Penta is on the ground, but it is clearly not Penta. 
and the first thing I'd wondered if I if I had seen tattoos that weren't there initially because I'm not that familiar with Penta. But um, when he gets up and he attacks uh, Omega, and then you see the Codebreaker, then as then you know pretty much knew who was under that mask at that point. But when Chris Jericho takes off the Penta mask, the crowd absolutely explodes. I definitely want to see Chris Jericho taking on Kenny Omega again, this time for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So he says, I'll see you at the Jericho Cruise. Make it happen. (laughs) I've got two matches left on the card. Now this show was four hours long, and we're already at the end of it. And and I'm, I absolutely, I have loved this show. Uh, Okada, uh, the next match is Okada taking on Marty Skrull. Skrull is so smooth and fast with the reversals that I I almost didn't appreciate everything he was doing because I was missing some of it. The style in this match, very different than what we've seen throughout the uh, earlier parts of this night. Uh, Okada is absolutely a showman, and for this being the first time that I've seen him wrestle, uh, he can can definitely get the crowd involved. Uh, Speaking of the crowd, they're exhausted. You know, they are absolutely burnt, but they are still loving this match. Uh, Skrull's fire up. Uh, you know, when he spits in Okada's face before Okada decides, okay, this shit's over, and hits two Rainmakers for the win. Absolutely loved it. I loved the story that they were telling, where, you know, Skrull didn't have any business there. He's He should be a junior, uh, you know, and instead of being a heavyweight, and he even tried... <laughs> Okada even tried to to sign the 205 for him before uh, before Skrull broke his finger, which uh, which cracked me up. So Okada does get the win. I didn't know what to expect here, having never really seen either guy having never seen either guy really wrestle before. This was a professional wrestling match, and it kept me locked in the entire time without having insane spots. There were chairs or tables or cracker barrels or penises or anything like that. It was just, it was a solid, hard-hitting, really entertaining wrestling match. And it it, uh, it certainly didn't disappoint. And it's one of those situations where being different is definitely a bonus. And that takes us to our main event. The eighth match on the card, Kota Ibushi and the Young Bucks, the Golden Elite, taking on Rey Mysterio, Rey Phoenix, and Bandito. Ray's gear is badass. I dig the Ray Vereen suit. Uh, Bandito, his look reminds me of Hayabusa, which I love. My God, those handstands into kip-ups. The guy, and the way he would fly, you can't even spell gravity with this guy. And I may have a new favorite to watch. I may have to be searching for him on YouTube later on. I love the front somersault cutter from Phoenix. This match was the definition of a spot fest, but it's so good it doesn't even matter. You know, I don't need a story with this. You know, th- these guys are there to do what they do, and they do it better than anybody else. When Ray and Ibushi get in the ring together, they square off for a minute, and the crowd becomes electric. Every time Ibushi kicks, I wince. I <laughs> swear the guy's breaking bones. Uh, I, I'm, I'm loving Bandito more and more the longer he's in the match. Every time he does a spot, I'm, I'm just I'm getting I'm getting sucked in, and I'm, like I said, I'm, just, I'm I'm finding out I have a new favorite. 
I knew a new person on my favorite wrestler list that I'm going to have to look more into. At one point, Nick Jackson just became a washing machine on permanent spin cycle. <laughs> just spin kicks and super kicks to everybody. And it comes out of it as if he's not bit, uh, dizzier than shit. We get into the spot where everybody gets their turn to fly and it's amazing. Uh, Bandito hits a triple Hurricane Rana on the Young Bucks and Ibushi. And it is just as ridiculous as it is amazing. There's no reason that should ever work. But I'm so happy they did it. The 619 gets reversed into a Meltzer driver, which is broken up by Phoenix and Bandito. My God. I can't keep up with it after that. Then all of a sudden, they, they just split out, and all six people are going crazy and beating the shit out of each other, and you can't even see half of it because they're so damn fast. Uh, eventually, uh, 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 we do get our super kick party from the Bucks. We get a double moonsault and a 450 on Bandito for a two count. And finally, the Melter driver on Bandito for the win. The Golden Elite take the win. And my notes here, all it says is, <laughs> not really much of a story here, just purely an athletic spot fest that was incredible to watch. You know, th- this was, I, I, I guess this is this was more entertaining than any Hollywood fight scene you'd ever see. And these guys, you know, aside from having a few spots planned, I'm sure they were calling a good chunk of this in the ring. And, and good for them. And the match is over, takes us to the end, and we're off the air. What a show. I Honestly, I don't remember the last time I was able to watch four hours of programming and still be surprised and disappointed when it ended. And not disappointed because the show wasn't good, but disappointed because there wasn't more. Each match was different. Each match was entertaining in its own way. The guest spots were amazing. The run-ins were great and unexpected. The comedy was insane. <laughs> I, I don't know that I will ever be able to say that somebody is 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 carried out by Cox ever again. I hope I don't, but it was... Uh, if, if I do, I think the podcast might have a different topic. But, uh, but what a fun show. Never took itself too seriously. It was serious when it needed to be, and it was entertaining when it needed to be. I'd encourage you that to go if you haven't seen it yet uh go out and either buy the replay on fight or purchase this uh, uh through another channel i think this is going is already on new japan world uh, forget the star ratings this was worth my time and and i can't wait to show it to my friends and watch it again like i will sit down and watch the four hours of this show again so don't forget, follow our friends at Steel Post Media, at All Wrestling 420, at Noah7BC, and thank you everyone who has helped me break the 1100 follower mark. Uh, it just happened within the last two weeks. It was the week right after SummerSlam. I very much appreciate it. And now that those numbers are climbing rapidly, don't be shy. I love to talk. So stop by, say hi on Twitter. We'll keep it rolling. Our next episodes will be getting back to work on Dojo Pro. We're getting back to work on Mid-South Wrestling and start gearing up for the WWE Super Showdown in Australia, WWE Evolution, 
I believe there's a special coming up in Saudi Arabia in the WWE Survivor Series. I also noticed there's an NWA 70th anniversary celebration on Fight in October, I think it is, that I'll be checking out as well this Friday. I am so excited. I am rolling down to the legendary Lambeau Field to watch my Green Bay Packers in their 100th season home opener, taking on the Chicago Bears. And for you football fans, I'll be recording an episode down there focused on that. There will be some wrestling content as well, but we will absolutely have a football segment there around what makes us fans. So uh, I know we all have our favorite teams, whether it's wrestling, football, baseball, basketball, whatever the case may be. There's a reason we love it. And there's going to be five guys I'm going to sit down and talk to, and they're going to share stories about you know, what their favorite moments were, what made them Packer fans, you know, what their favorite part about going to the game is. And really what, you know, what's created fandom for them. A special side note, don't forget MMA returns to Superior, Wisconsin on September 15th at Westman Arena. Uh, currently there are somewhere around 25 fights on the card with I think 6 title fights. Floor seats are $35, general admission are $25. I believe all of the VIP table seats have sold out. If you're in the area, check it out. Coach Morotek at Inner Strength Martial Arts is a past guest on the Smart Gonna Zero podcast, and he's established himself as a tireless promoter, matchmaker, and trainer in the mixed martial arts community here, uh, and throughout the Midwest, really. Uh, he's a student and teacher of clever jiu-jitsu, along with Muay Thai kickboxing and American karate. Do yourself a favor. Check this event out. Find him on Facebook at Inner Strength Martial Arts. Tickets are also available at TwinPortsNightlife.com. If you're going, shoot me a message on Twitter, at Zero. I will be there with my daughter enjoying the fights, and I'd certainly like to say hi. So that does it for another episode of the Smarket Zero podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed having you here. Please remember to smoke your... <laughs> Easy for me to say, right? Can you tell it's almost midnight? Please remember to support your local wrestling and combat sports promotions. Support your internet wrestling community. And we will see you next time right here on the Smart Zero podcast. Mm-hmm.